And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Today on America Can We Talk, we're going to talk about what Carrie Lake won and didn't win. Dee Dee Lagerson joins us. She has so many amazing titles, I'm not even going to try to list them, but you will love this guest. Uh, Twitter as the FBI field office, hugely consequential, and FTX money laundering scam. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. At the start of the show today, in my little intro, I mentioned these four topics. I'm going to tell you the final topic, which uh, is called FTX Money Laundering Scam, this unfolding, unbelievable story, uh, biggest scam maybe in American history. Um, I'm going to possibly get to that today, but there's so much there. I'm going to put a marker down that I'll probably get to it tomorrow. I'll try to maybe introduce it today, but it really bears, it's very important to understand not just how the scam occurred, but all the potential links to uh, politics and the people who, uh, how money got into the hands of the FTX organization, you know, what money was sent into them, to whom donations were made, almost all Democrats. It's important to understand this was a money laundering scam now coming to the surface. So I'm just going to say, I may not even get to it today because we have so many other important stories. In the first five today, I want to follow up on the Kerry Lake uh, litigation. Likely you heard that the judge allow, is going to allow the case to go forward. Not all the causes of action that Carrie Lake brought uh, challenging the Arizona election in the midterms, uh, her race for governor, uh, but two causes of action. She can go forward and the judge in announcing that he was throwing the other charges out, uh, I believe they're going to start trial tomorrow as in fact finding, presenting evidence tomorrow. This is very fast paced. Now the two issues where she is going to be allowed to present evidence and hopefully Katie Hobbs, the elusive, may even have to take the stand. Uh, one relates to essentially uh, printer settings or the failure of the electronic machines to work on election day. Uh, and the other one is chain of custody. And chain of custody is really interesting because that is the one that involves essentially all of these ballots being delivered uh, apparently to Runbeck and being delivered, uh, some of them, chain of custody is a huge legal uh, issue in many cases. It's, it's an issue in criminal prosecutions, uh, even in some cases in civil litigation. You know, how do you know what you're being presented with who held on to it? How can you prove uh, and, and, you know, where it was? And so in, in criminal cases, it's often the murder weapon or other some, something else where you need to prove that you grabbed it at the right time and it's been kept safely and you can account for where it was. What well, chain of custody with respect to mail-in ballots, there were, according to a whistleblower for Rembeck Corporation, hundreds of thousands of ballots delivered on election day, mail-in ballots delivered on election day uh, that had no obvious chain of custody. And so obviously a huge, uh, big issue. And the great thing about this chain of custody cause of action is it does not require uh, the plaintiff, Carrie Lake, to prove actual malice, and which is very going to be very, very hard for her in the other claim. 
But as to chain of custody, if there really was a sufficient, there's a sufficient evidence that this whistleblower comes through and says, yeah, this is what happened, and nobody knows where they came from, uh, that really is going to cause the court to have to turn to Katie Hobbs and say, okay, you know, well, what's your answer? Where, what is this? Because the number of votes uh, that allegedly appeared with no chain of custody far exceeds the margin of victory um, for this governor's race for Katie Hobbs. So that is a claim that's very hopeful. Now, second point, we're running through this case really fast, but the second point is on the issue with respect to the uh, failure of machines to work on election day. Uh, that does require, uh, as the, the way it was pleaded, requires Carrie Lake to show uh, malice. Like you can't, I mean, you, it's what she has to show is not just that some of the machines failed, but there was some apparent intentionality about that, some malice, some, some effort to actually cause them not to work. That's going to be very hard to prove. Um, but I will say, because I don't think anyone signed a confession yet saying, yeah, we play with the machines and make sure they didn't work. However, I actually think at some level that a judge and this is not, this, I am a lawyer by background, and this is not a, a legal theory I've heard floated anywhere else, but I'm just going to say, at some point, the level of just failure, the, not just negligence is when you meant to do the right thing, but you kind of forgot or made some mistakes along the way. The negligence standard uh, isn't good enough. Katie Hobbs is going to obviously have to acknowledge, yeah, we could have done things better. Uh, there were certain officials, especially Maricopa, who could have done things better. So th those are negligence issues. But at some point, the refusal to look at the machines, to examine them, to have them functioning properly at the level at which it happened on election day in Maricopa County, Arizona, it rises to the level of it implies malice. You can't be responsible and have all the election machines more or less working well all during early voting and pretty much around the state on election day, except for in the biggest county, it's 61% of the voters in Arizona are in Maricopa County and have such a massive failure that uh, it doesn't rise to the standard probably of actual malice, but I really hope the court entertains the argument. At some point, if you simply won't do your job, don't do your job, don't look at it, uh, don't repair things, you just, I mean, it, it ought to satisfy the actual malice standard. I'm not going to, I mean, that's not a legal theory. I've heard them uh, advance, but I do think there, at some point, when you just simply don't take action when you should uh, and you know how it's supposed to work and you know what you're supposed to do, uh, you are engaging in malice. But it's going to be a very hard charge. I also, late last night, was hearing from some of the, um, my buddies in Arizona who are working on this whole issue. Uh, Carrie Lake is going to appeal, apparently, uh, some or all of the charges that were, the causes of action that were dismissed. So she's still trying to get some of them in front of um, the judge that the judge dismissed. And the last point, and I want to remind you, if you didn't hear my monologue yesterday regarding the litigation in Arizona, I really urge you to uh, listen to that or to read up on it, which is this point. Uh, and this is not a Carrie Lake litigation. Uh, this is another piece of litigation pending in Arizona. And this has to do with Mojave County, which is a much smaller county. But the plaintiffs in this case in Mojave County are suing the same set of characters, all of these uh, election officials who uh, did not do their job. But Mojave County's argument is because Mojave County uh, voters, and these are voters as plaintiffs, because they followed the law, the, the county did their 
processed correctly in the elections. And so much went awry in Maricopa County. So many votes that just the, you know, is over 200,000 votes that showed up with no chain of custody on election day, according to a whistleblower on, from Runbeck, uh, which was one running the elections, plus a more complex issue, vital to understand is that Maricopa County, uh, instead of doing what the law appears to require, which is to do the, the uh, signature verification with human beings doing it, looking at verifying signatures on mail-in ballots and comparing them with the signature on file, uh, Maricopa County subcontract, subcontracted that whole job out to Runbeck, which in turn used artificial intelligence, AI, used machines to do the signature verification. Many reasons to believe that doesn't comply with Arizona law. That's a huge piece of litigation sitting out there, separate from Carrie Lake's um, efforts to get a court to pay attention to what happened. And I'll close the first five by saying this. That other litigation is, is currently pending. It's a brilliant legal theory, essentially the people in Mojave County saying, that our vote was essentially diluted or the impact of our vote because of all these illegal votes which appear to have been cast in Maricopa County. And it's a really good theory. They were deprived essentially of their fundamental right to vote or to have their vote count. So that piece of litigation is pending. But for all the people griping about Carrie Lake and why she's still pushing this and she's an election denier and she's, uh, you know, she's, um, you know, sour grapes, a sore loser, whatever thing they're saying, or, uh, you know, too dedicated to the MAGA agenda. Carrie Lake may be just the person who helps break open the entire election integrity problem in this country. Not her standing alone, but her willingness to persist in the face of just obnoxious coverage by journalists, obnoxious attacks, even by other Republicans who have never wanted to speak up about election integrity. Because I'll close up by saying this, if you don't figure out all the ways in which America's, America's elections are manipulated, are stolen, are just simply, um, just simply the product of electronic manipulation, uh, manipulation of voter tabulation software, all sorts of other means by which elections are rigged in this country, you truly do lose the country. You have nothing like what the founders intended, which was the American people through a process of elections having self-governance and the government ruling with the consent of the governed. You lose all of that if you don't fix election integrity just for her willingness to push this issue and be persistent. Carrie Lake is a hero. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So I mentioned before the show, we have a guest joining us, um, Didi Lagasin. She... Um, I said she has too many titles to tell you, but I'm going to tell you very quickly. Uh, Didi Logason is joining us via Skype, um, and she is um, in, uh, she's or, uh, associated with organizations based uh, in the East Coast in Washington, but she's kind of a West Coaster. But here are her uh, things that she does, and all these are vitally important uh, roles and, and things she's engaged in. She's the executive director of Save the Persecuted Christians, and that um, has a website, savethepersecutedchristians.org. She's the executive secretary of the Committee on the Present Danger, China, a topic we frequently hit on this show, the Committee on the Present Danger, China, and their website is presentdangerchina.org. And she's a coordinator for Stop Vaccine Passports, or Stop Vax Passports Task Force, and that is stopvaxpassports.org. And she's also on Twitter at DDLogason. I want to urge you, um, we're going to probably talk, we're going to talk about each of these organizations, but just think about all of the, 
go back and try to look those up. I'm going to mention them again before we close out the websites. But these organizations, these are just warriors on the ground in America doing things all of us benefit from, all of us and people around the world benefit, fighting against the persecution of Christians, which is simply breathtaking, still occurs in the year 2022, uh, helping to expose the present danger of China, which Frank Gaffney and many other guests on my show have talked about so many, many times. And, you know, honestly, most Americans are still asleep too. Um, and finally, stopping vaccine passports, which is really about trying to prevent America from becoming um, a nation like China, where a social credit score kind of decides whether you have any freedom at all. So with that long introduction, well, welcome to the show, Didi Lagerson. Hi, Dee. Hi, Debbie. It's so that was good long. to be here. You did a great job, very good job summarizing all of those various elements that I'm working on. Uh, I work on all of these very closely with Frank Gaffney, and uh, and it really is uh, to his credit that these uh, these things have been stood up because they do address the existential threats that are against uh, Americans today. They do. And as I've said often, introducing Frank Gaffney, and, and you may have heard me say this other times, but because I've introduced him at various functions where, you know, he's the kind of person, he hears about an issue, you know what something happening is wrong. And many of us will drive home and discuss it in the car on the way home, and maybe at dinner time tell their family about it. And Frank goes home thinking, we can do something about this. We should think about this. What can we form? And he works to form not just, uh, he, he brings people together. He thinks of very effective people to bring together, uh, people with knowledge, and then he just goes after it. So, um, and so I'm grateful for it. And I'm grateful for you too, because um, I, I mean, all of these things, it, it, nothing can be a one-man show. Certainly um, nothing can be. Uh, and all of these require the attention and hard work of someone like you. So um, those are all the things you've done. I was going to go into your uh, longer past, but very quickly, if you want to just tell our listeners, uh, you you worked actually in, in Colorado on the Trump campaign. Is that right? Yes. In 2016, I was the Colorado Coalition's director for the Trump campaign. In, and uh, and in that, uh, you know, religious issues and uh, and some of these other issues were were what I was focusing on, and it was a development from that that led me to meet both Steve Bannon and Frank Gaffney, and that led to m me getting to work with Frank on all of these freedom issues. So. Well, thank you for all you do. I want to jump in each one of them. And by the way, for our listeners, just a couple of days ago, um, the days all run together, but we had a guest join us on the show who is a doctor, a woman doctor from Nigeria. And she was in America trying to call attention to the reality that in Nigeria, there's a just horrific persecution of Christians and especially young Christian girls. And uh, she was trying to expose that. And I want to start with that meeting that happened in Washington. She was here uh, in America talking about what occurs and um, also talking about how some of America's are perhaps well-intentioned uh, foreign aid ends up in the hands of Nigerian leaders who it appears may allow it to end up in the hands of Boko Haram, which is a um, Islamic terror group uh, that involves uh, people who will, and there's another group too there I don't have in front of me, but involves, uh, and is involved in apparently kidnapping young Christian girls. Uh, and so that was our story from last week. If you didn't see that interview, um, we can, I urge you to go back and do that. But anyway, so Didi, tell me about the, uh, starting with this, um, Save the Persecuted Christians. You were in Washington last week. 
Well, there was some big event going on at, with the president of Nigeria here. Is that right? Yeah, so uh, Save the Persecuted Christians advocates for 360 million heavily persecuted Christians around the world, a record number of countries around the world. This is unprecedented persecution of Christians, a very uh, inconvenient truth that the uh, Western media really does not like to touch upon. Last week in Washington, D.C., the Biden administration hosted the U.S.-Africa Leadership Conference Summit. And in that, they invited genocidal dictator Muhammadu Buhari to uh, the world stage, to stand on the stage with President Biden and, um, and develop relationships with regards to economics and, and other development there in Nigeria. But this President Buhari is a member of the Fulani tribe. It is the Fulani militants that you are looking for their name who are uh, kidnapping and raping and slaughtering entire Christian communities and taking these girls off into captivity along with Boko Haram and uh, which has a splinter group called ISWAP which is associated with uh, the Islamic State. So all of these uh, elements rage within Nigeria, and President Buhari has done nothing. In fact, I went to the U.S. Institutes of Peace last week, and as he was speaking at the podium, I stood up with a banner that said, Save Persecuted Christians, and demanded to know, President Buhari, what about the Christians that are dying in droves in Nigeria? I was let out by the police and, and joined the protesters on the street, but uh, I was an agent provocateur last Friday for President Buhari, and I'd do it again in a minute. Okay, I have to tell you, I debated, went back and forth, should I uh, pull up that picture? Um, because I have a picture of you being escorted out, um, and I actually, I love it. I mean, it made me smile when I saw it. And, you know, it's the kind of thing, well, I actually did want to talk about that briefly. So to start with, the Biden administration invites these people over who are enabling, uh, in fact, potentially even financially um, supporting organizations uh, and groups that are doing these kind of things. What is your sense of what the answer was or, or the the reasoning, if any, behind the Biden administration friendliness toward them? Is it that, you know, better to have them be your friends, at least you can influence them? Or, I mean, do you have any sense they even care? I think that it all has to do with the money. Uh, Nigeria is the most important African country. It, it, the population of Nigeria is going to overtake the United States by 2050. They're oil rich, natural gas rich. And um, the Biden administration last year took Nigeria off what is called the countries of particular concern, which was a designation because they have widespread systematic religious-based violence happening there. They took them off of that list for political reasons just before Secretary Blinken went to Nigeria on a political trip. And they did not redesignate them this year, even though nothing has changed. So the Biden administration is literally breaking the law, uh, the IRP Act of 1998, which requires them to, to designate Nigeria. Uh, so no, nothing's going to change, but they're combating China wanting to have influence in Nigeria as well. So there's this battle in African countries over uh, who, who's going to have more influence, China or the United States of America. And, uh, and that's what you have happening. So all of the victims of these human rights abuse, and, and Reuters came out last week also with reports uh, uh, claiming that the Nigerian military has actually been forcing 
uh, just rescued captives from these terrorists to, um, to have abortions and actually targeting killing of children who may have been uh, fathered by these terrorists. So, uh, and we know that the Buhari regime is complicit in the top-down, bottom-up genocide that's happening in Nigeria. You know, it's an amazing thing, uh, several directions to go, but one I was thinking is how um, uh, highly sensitive the American left is about any perceived slight, any perceived, well, you used a pronoun that does, that offends me. Uh, you made reference to my accent and that offends me. So they're highly, highly sensitive to the slightest, slightest you know, hint of mistreatment in the way they conduct their politics, the issues they push in America. And yet we, they are amenable in Nigeria and other countries around the world to allow what you're describing. I mean, genocide, kidnapping, murder, um, rape, f having these young girls taken away. And then you're describing now these young girls who are kidnapped, raped by their kidnappers, babies result. And then when they are freed, the babies are young children by then, um, are, are killed are, are murdered by, by the military, you're saying by the military. So, I mean, the idea that you can be the hypersensitive, we care about people that that's, I find that so bothersome. We, we spend, you know, we spend time debating pronouns in America, but we let this um, this go. So, what what is the situation with uh, Christian churches in America? Do you have some of them getting on board, trying to help, and you're exposing what, what's occurring? You know, the Christian. They they really have lost their heart, their soul. And they're not preaching the gospel according to the written word uh, that we have. Um, we have we have pastors and and ministers in American churches who just want to go along, get along. It's all about um, who your friends are, and not speaking truth to power. So we don't have pastors who are calling out these threats to freedom both to citizens in the United States nor to the enslavement of Christians worldwide. Uh, so we we really need more pastors that are informed and understanding this and 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 you know encouraging their the people in the pews to uh, speak to their elected representatives because that's what we do. We hold persecutors accountable but uh, politicians will not move if they do not have the um, political will and support of, of the American people. And if the American people aren't informed about it, then nobody knows that these things are issues that are coming home to roost here in America. Persecution of Christians is coming to America. Uh, amen, sister. One more thing I do, I'm gonna talk about what's happening in America, but on your efforts uh, with the Save the Persecuted Christians, and again, for our listeners, you ought to look up, it's a very compelling website, savethepersecutedchristians.org. What is it you urge people to do who learn this information from you? Or what can people do? And what do you do? How do you, I, I know that the organizations put on webinar, webinars uh, regularly, the webinars from Center for Security Policy and Save the Persecuted Christians and uh, Present Danger China. So webinars are a way to get some information out. But just, I'd love to know anything else you do to try to get the, the word out. We also run Align Act campaigns. Save the Persecuted Christians has one going right now where you can ask your members of Congress to um, investigate U.S. aid to Nigeria. We send hundreds of millions of dollars over there for military and humanitarian relief. None of it is getting to the places they need to be. 
and our money is paying for genocide in Nigeria. So things like that are what we do to give um, the public things that they can um, engage in and, and get active on. I love that. And I do think, I think you're exactly right. Um, I mean, Dita, you're exactly right that most Americans don't know. And if you ask them, do you think America would be sending aid to a country if we knew the money was going to go to aid and abet their effort to kidnap and murder and rape Christians? People would say, what are you even talking about? Of course you wouldn't do that. They don't know. They don't know. It, it, it's astonishing. Okay, so just if you would, because you touched on it briefly, you talk about uh, pr Christian persecution coming to America. What do you mean by that? I mean that the Biden administration, as we have seen with um, A.G. Merrick Garland, calling parents who don't want pornography or LGBTQ agendas in their uh, curriculums for their schools, calling those parents domestic violent extremists. And then President Biden during this last election uh, season, uh, calling MAGA Republicans uh, violent extremists and radicals and, and even uh, new new fascists and new Nazis. It, it's ridiculous that um, Christians in America who hold to traditional views, who believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, that, that um, using pronouns goes against their biblical views, that these things uh, are othering Christians. It's, it's dehumanizing Christians. where they set up Jews, they dehumanize them, they put, push them to the edge of the public square, it, it, it creates an atmosphere where violence towards Christians will be invited and even encouraged. And so that, those are the signs that we see in countries around the world where persecution happens. It is beginning to happen here. The squeeze uh, eventually becomes the smash and you will have violent persecution if you allow it to continue to happen. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. In fact, the most recent um, issue that brought this out, there was a passage by um, uh, and, and signed by President Biden, the um, Respect for the, the inaptly named Respect for Marriage Act. But you know, people thought, and, and many people got on board and said, "Well, you're just talking." Okay, you know, the Supreme Court said, you know, you can't. Uh, so they kind of uh, off legitimized uh, same-sex marriage. And so all this is really doing is kind of saying, let's respect it. They're married and we can treat uh, these couples the same as, uh, as you know, a marriage of between a man and a woman. And, you know, there was some, that, that is the way uh, leftists in this country often get their agendas through is describing what they're doing in some innocuous way. They, well, who, who wants to, I don't want to pick on them, but the consequence the under, that will flow from that litigation, that, excuse me, a piece of legislation, in part because amendments that were introduced uh, couldn't get through, will allow, for example, talk about persecuting Christians, will allow religious organizations to become the recipients of litigation. It will cause them to become uh, liable. They'll cause them to lose tax status because they want to stand with their position uh, that marriage is a man and a woman. It's gone from the notion that, uh, you know, of just having people have, live their own life, you're an adult, to you're going to be told by the government what you think and speak and say about marriage. You are going to be told. You are not going to let, uh, you're not going to have the right to have any view and, and live out your view uh, that based on your religious beliefs. Can't do that anymore. So, I mean, I don't know if you agree, but I, I saw that the respect for marriage thing. I thought the Republicans did a particularly poor job of trying to let America know this is what will come of this. This is not just honoring 
different couples, uh, honoring same-sex couples the same as you do a uh, man and a woman. This is going to make, this is going down the path of silencing Christians who have a different, who have a traditional view of marriage. Uh, is that part of your concern too? Are you concerned about that? Absolutely, 100%. All this act does is to elevate this uh, new LGBTQ civil rights uh, to the suppression of the constitutionally protected religious freedoms uh, in the First Amendment. So, and, and really driving people to a place where they will cancel themselves, they will be silent themselves because they do not want to engage. They think that it will be okay if they just um, stay to the sidelines and be quiet about it, that all of this will go away in a, in a matter of time, but in, instead it is a strategic uh, plan to suppress Christian voices and to marginalize Christians in America, literally to tear apart the foundations of everything that we know about America and love. And so it, it's, it's absolutely destructive. This and, and Republicans, once again, we have been failed by our leadership and they are not, they are also caving to the left. And, and because of this, we are in danger of, of so much, of losing everything that we have, peace, prosperity for our children and a future of hope for them is going down the drain with, with the passage of acts like this. Couldn't agree more. I want to turn quickly to, uh, by the way, for our radio listeners, you're going to go off into a three-minute break at the bottom of the hour. Please don't go away because we'll be right here when you come back at America Can We Talk. You can listen to our entire show if you miss any portion of it at our website, americacanwetalk.org. You can always go back and listen to interviews, shows, everything's there. Okay, the next group I wanted to mention was the, uh, as I did in introducing you, is the Committee on the um, Present Danger China. Again, for our listeners, the website is presentdangerchina.org. So tell me what you're uh, all about that group. You're just, again, trying to raise awareness about the agenda China has uh, in targeting and wanting to become the single world superpower and also the way they are uh, surreptitiously kind of invading America. So tell us about your work on that group, with that group. Again, another coalition stood up by Frank Gaffney and, um, and I'm assisting him with that. Uh, the present danger China is uh, modeled after one like it in the 80s and 90s that uh, was its focus was the Soviet Union, the fall of the Soviet Union. And, and the intent was to bring down the Soviet Union through economic means. In very much the same way, the Committee on the Present Danger China is exposing how uh, China has been at war with America for the last 20 years. It, uh, it declared a people's war in May of 2019 against the United States. And, um, and now this committee, uh, it, which is made up with an incredible array of experts on China, is looking to take down the Communist Party of China through economic means. And really, we, we, we pour all kinds of, of money through the capital markets in the United States, pension plans and, and the, the thrift savings plan of the federal government. We're spending, we're sending trillions of dollars into China for the development of their military and um, these companies that uh, are, are creating the surveillance technologies that allow the genocide of the Uyghurs and the persecution of Christians, uh, the takeover of Hong Kong. So all of these things are um, absolutely vital. And this is the work of the Committee on the Present Danger China. 
we are doing weekly webinars now that are just really exposing and drilling down what you hear about in the news, taking, uh, for instance, Hunter, Hunter's laptop and digging down to see how Joe Biden truly is a controlled asset of the Communist Party of China now and, and is working against the interests of the United States of America. That last point you made, uh, Sam Fatters had a piece recently, was in an interview and been writing about that too, but if the American people, back to our, our theme of the American people only knew, if they only knew their president, President Biden, current president, is a controlled asset of the CCP, I mean, as I say, 90% of Americans would say, what in the world are you talking about? More than 90%. So the work of this committee spreading that information, really, really vital. I'm glad you mentioned the 2019 uh, China acknowledging it's at war with America. I often want to go back and remind people, too, about the 1998 book published by two Chinese generals, military officials, uh, called Unrestricted Warfare, in which they wrote out, Here's how we take down America. You know, we don't have to bomb them from the air. We don't have to have uh, bullets and bombs. We can do it through essentially destroying America internally, economic means, many other means. And I think, I mean, that I always think that would be like required reading um, because I think the the whole trendiness of diversity and inclusion makes people very hesitant to criticize any other country because you don't want to be seen as whether people, you know, you're intolerant, you don't like people don't look like you, you're a, you know, you're, you're some kind of a supremacist if you expose China. But that's it's exactly that kind of attitude of concern about diversity and inclusion, all that. So I better be quiet and not mention how dangerous China is. That's one of the tools in the arsenal the left has. We don't even dare speak about, I mean, you guys do and I do, but we people are, are really hesitant to question China's role and their malicious intent. I'm, I'm just really grateful for all that you do um, in that realm too. Uh, if you want to, I, mean, I want to hit the Vax passport thing. I don't know if there's anything more specific you want to mention of the work right now of the present danger China group or anything, or do you want to roll? Do you have one more thing you want to add? You look like you do. Well, just that, uh, you know, present danger China got involved with the Stop Vax Passports. We helped stand it up because what is happening through COVID with the China model being impressed upon the United States and, and the uh, vaccine passports and the mandates for vaccines, all of that is, is being directed by China through the WHO. And the Biden administration has been very quick to take it up and, and impose it on the people of the United States. It is, as you said at the top of the show, this is the Chinese so social credit system and um, tracking methodologies put in place in America. And, and we're, it's happening behind the scenes. Most Americans don't even know at how far along this has advanced. You know, Didi, I want to break that down. That was a great summary. But for people who haven't heard these kind of things before, um, I mean, you, I just want to unpack it briefly because you had a lot of great things to say in there. So, you know, to most Americans, you know, somehow uh, along the way in 2020, we realized, wow, there's kind of a serious thing going on. What is this COVID thing? And to most Americans, you want to, I mean, you want to believe we didn't know it was coming and you want to believe the government's trying to help. And so, you know, this, the first effort to say everybody, you know, we had a shelter in place order here in Texas. I don't know how long it went for, but, you know, people just got tired of it. But we had the order to wear masks and the order to shut down businesses and, and you know, all and many, many things occurred. But people, 
Americans want to be trusting, and they have a just a kind of inherent sense of, well, you know, the government's trying to help, and maybe I don't like the mask thing too much, or maybe I want to decide for myself. But they don't see the tr the policies America embraced in response to COVID as part of an agenda, as as not just government responding to a situation trying to help. So I want to break it down a little bit. So you mentioned um, the, that America embraced the China model through essentially the World Health Organization. Can you expand on that? So um, right at the beginning of the pandemic, we saw that Wuhan was shut down and people were literally locked into their apartment buildings. They were not allowed to go out shopping. They weren't allowed to do anything outside of their uh, their living abode. And, um, and when we went into the two weeks to slow the spread, as you, as you said, we were thinking, okay, well, we'll slow down. Everybody stay home for a little bit. But those of us who've been tracking on, on these threats to freedom and liberty, we could see that um, China was driving uh, the WHO, uh, showing how they were going to um, combat COVID and the spread of COVID. And very quickly, the WHO scientists and administrators began spreading this to the other countries around the world. And, um, and then also uh, the WHO already has in place and has been working for some time on these um, pro tracking programs to be able to track, uh, you know, people who maybe have been infected or something. But even more so, in just the last five to ten years, we've seen China stand up its surveillance system where literally uh, they can find a person in China in under five minutes because of the camera systems oh that they gosh. have going on. And, and gate recognition technology, facial recognition. We've seen all of this come pouring into the United States. It's used with TSA um, for security at airports and such. And more and more, it's building the basis, the foundations for the implementation of a very similar program here in the United States and other free countries. In fact, we have, um, because of the Real ID Act, we have uh, digital driver's licenses coming online and they, uh, you know, there's a deadline by May of this next year for all states to have their plan in place for digital driver's licenses. You have your medical health records all going online right now. All of these things, the technology behind the vaccine passport is, can be flipped at a switch to include all your financial records, all your housing, all of your travel, all of your, everything about your entire life is going online. And now we have the Biden administration bringing on central bank digital currency. And that is the last key to the puzzle to really I mean, people say, is it an efficiency or enslavement for the benefit of society or to the detriment? And without the proper regulation or understanding, even by the American people to know what, how these platforms all work together, we are headed straight to the digital gulag. And those are the various um, webinars and programs we've been producing through StopVaxPassports.org to help Americans understand the threats to our own liberties um, that are coming very quickly and, in fact, are already here today. 
Again, a brilliant summary, Didi, just so good. Um, on the subject of the central bank digital currency, CBDC, you know, I had um, Kevin Freeman, whom you also know, uh, on the show a few weeks ago, and I was trying to push him a little bit because you know what happens is people who follow these issues and read about them, like you and Frank and, and many people, um, Kevin, myself, do, you know, we instantly react like, I, I, let's fight this, let's stop this, let's not agree as a free society to have this become the norm. But I think for many people, your question earlier was just great. Is it, isn't it just about efficiency? And I've, I've heard young people, like I was commenting to a millennial type um, age person, uh, something about, you know, I had um, how something was being tracked, how I had looked up something online and pretty soon I'm, I'm getting all these notices about, and they were, and, but the reaction of this, you know, 35-year-old was, isn't it great? Isn't it great? so helpful? And, you know, I mean, wh why do you mind? And it's so efficient to have your medical records online because what if you're traveling and XYZ happens and you have to get the hospital? Wouldn't you love they can snap the fingers right there? And the digital currency, it's not about controlling you. It's just who likes to carry around cash? Why should we have to have that? You know, it's just all. And there's a sense, uh, there's a this American uh, just presumption, uh, an innocent thought about government and an innocent thought about, well, they wouldn't really have something nefarious in mind. They wouldn't misuse this information. And it's like we have to get to the point where they do misuse the information, where you discover you're losing your freedom before the, the, the light goes off in some people's heads and say, hey, wait a minute, we didn't ever agree to this. I love that you laid out all those things, central bank digital currency and your medical records and your vaccine records. I mean, these are just things that you, know, you and I both read 1984, the book 1984, a long time ago, probably. And um, it seems so crazy. People thought, well, it's not going to happen. And, and it's here. It's here. So tell me. It is stop. here. Yeah. So when, when when you see it married together with everything that's being revealed by Elon Musk and the Twitter files right now, that you see that have an agenda, and especially with regards to those who don't hold to their political views, that that an entire very large group of Americans can be cut off from their being able to get medical care, being able to travel without papers, being able to leave their um, their apartments, get employed, um, educate their children. All of these things can be threatened by a government that is willing to impose restrictions on those who do not uh, toe the party line. I know. And, you know, it's just... I mean, I, I do this. This is why I do the show. One of the main reasons I'm, I always say I do it to stand up for America, stand up for freedom, and try to connect the dots for people. Because people, the, as, as I was saying earlier, they want to believe. Um, certainly these politicians, they may have a different political affiliation than mine. They may, But, you know, they all still love America. They love freedom. And that sense of you're slowly, you know, we're like the frog in the water. It's heating slowly and people aren't, they don't want to jump out because it's pretty nice in here and everything seems safe. But the, um, you know, there's not going to be an exit strategy if, if we don't stop it now. So um, those three groups, again, I want to urge our listeners because these are, and what Didi Loggison does or Frank Gaffney does and all the teams of people they pull together, they really are kind of the, you know, they're, they're watchdogs for America's freedom. And so again, I'll mention the organizations, uh, Save the Persecuted Christians. This is unbelievable conduct happening around the world and America is aiding and abetting this conduct. 
by our foreign aid. So that's savethepersecutedchristians.org. Committee on Present Danger China, and that website is presentdangerchina.org. And finally, Stop Vax Passports Task Force, which is stop, and then V-A-X for vaccine, stopvaxpassports.org. And that one, I will say, closing, I got to roll, try one more topic to say, but I do think the vaccine passport thing for other people who maybe weren't so concerned about, oh, central bank digital, great, it'll be so convenient, and didn't worry about other things. I think the notion of people, because they are becoming um, concerned about the content of the vaccines and the safety and the, the need for them, whether they were necessary to start with, and I think that is helping to wake people up to recognize there's something really wrong with this mentality pushing uh, vaccine passports and the vaccine kind of knowledge, use it to control your freedom. Do you sense that a little bit that America is waking up because of how extreme the COVID uh, reaction was from our government? I really do think that all of the back and forth, you know, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, the, the uh, flip-flopping of Fauci and, um, and just really seeing so many people's jobs taken away from them because they vaccines. I think that really has touched many people in their homes and their families and they're starting to see that maybe the government really isn't acting on their best behalf. Could not agree more. Didi Lagerson, I'm going to tell you again, yeah, I think you're just amazing. I mean, you're into all these things. You endlessly have a cheerful demeanor, except when you disrupted that meeting to say, what about the persecuted Christians? I love that you did that just because, you know, that hopefully got more attention in the media than otherwise everyone's sitting there nodding along. And um, honestly, I like a little bit of embarrassment of the Biden team bringing in these uh, leaders who permit this kind of conduct. Um, so I love that you did that. So it was very feisty, but I really commend you for everything you do. I hope our listeners will turn to all those websites, get involved, listen to the webinars. You can learn so much uh, from all the webinars that you organize. And I just, and thank you for taking the time to join me today. Thanks, Debbie. See you next Great. time. Yeah, see you next time. Thank you. Okay, my very fine friends, uh, I, I mentioned at the start, I was probably not going to have time for that last story, and I won't. Uh, so I'm going to save the FTX money laundering story for tomorrow, because I'm going to tell you there's so much to it, not just how much money was lost, but when you start to connect the dots of who created this and who these people are and where the money went, I, I mean to tell you, um, it's another wake-up call for Americans to recognize. But I'm going to hit one more topic. Um, I called tw this uh, topic Twitter as the FBI field office. And I don't know if my sound just, I hope I guess, okay, I think it's okay. Anyway, I, I called this uh, last topic I can hit today, uh, Twitter as the FBI field office. I want to share, you know, we've had these great revelations. It's been wonderful. Uh, great revelations from... Um, the fact that Elon Musk um, dot, um, bought Twitter and is just kind of pouring everything out, uh, what Americans would never, ever see. And what is coming to light, uh, as you've been reading likely, uh, one, uh, is that the Department of Homeland Security was very, very integrally involved in the um, efforts to essentially control and direct traffic at Twitter. What people knew, what was allowed to go out, what wasn't. But the FBI's involvement is especially troublesome. And I want to talk about just a few things that came out in the most recent uh, Twitter. I think it was Twitter 7. You know, they have 
tranches of emails and, and content being released to the public. And I think we're on Twitter seven. One is just, this is now Twitter had, you know, they're working hand in hand with the FBI. And so, you know, you think, gee, you know, I, I put a tweet out and, it, and it's gone or I got suspended or I got kicked off Twitter or, you know, someone I used to listen to and they were kicked off and that good hearted uh, innocence of some people could cause people to think, well, I guess if they kicked them off, they probably did something bad. They probably said something they weren't supposed to say. And you can imagine this uh, notion that people just, you know, um, they assume they must have done something bad. But really what you start to realize is this is an absolute operation, an absolute criminal operation, in my opinion, a domestic influence operation, a, this is a federal government in the form of the FBI, DHS, and others controlling what the American people think, what they know about. And in fact, it's not just keeping some information from them, from the American people, a lot of information from the American people is allowing to push out other stories, not true, have no validity. And this is not only the FBI through its portal to Twitter and other places, but Twitter actually became a place where many former FBI officials actually became employed. So you leave the FBI and you go into Twitter and you're a big deal there because you're, you are government connections. So this is Twitter. that was supposed to be this happy little app that let people, you know, tweet and say things. And I can say what I think and Trump can say what he thinks and whoever else people can say things. And it was absolutely a monstrosity of a government operation, a domestic influence operation to mold and shape what the American people think. You know, people talk, I mentioned in talking with Didi Lagerson about the book 1984, and one of the themes that emerged in that book 1984 um, was this notion that, you know, you only are entitled as a citizen to know what the government wants you to know. And you have, they had the Ministry of Truth, which decided what was true and what wasn't, what could be understood what, and, and what could not go out there. And you had many citizens very compliant Many citizens saying in the book, I mean, in 1984, well, you know, turns out my, and there, in fact, that was the opening of the book. There was some scene of um, a guy who finds himself in jail and he's bragging to his cellmate that he's so proud he's in jail because his son heard him talking in his sleep, saying things you're not allowed to say. And the son turned his own dad into the officials. And this dad sitting in jail is bragging because what a great son I have because he heard me say these things. Like, you can't say these things. I mean, the foolishness that emerged in that book. But back to where we are now, you know, I, I say this in so many uh, different shows in different ways, but this is part of what it means to lose freedom in America. It's part of what it means when I say America is watching the slow rolling loss of freedom. We are watching the Marxist takedown of this country right in front of our very eyes. The idea in America that you have the U.S. government in the form of the FBI, which is, by the way, a subsidiary, a, you know, it's a, it's a department of the Department of Justice. It's under the Department of Justice. So you have the FBI, DOJ, directly influencing what the American people think and know through their control of Twitter and many of the other, and maybe all of the other social media platforms. So the American people, you know, if you're not really diligent or interested, if you're not suspicious, 
you don't hear other things. I mean, just, just the mere fact of the Hunter Biden laptop was uh, something that voters, it was a significant portion of voters, said they would have voted differently had they only known what was in the Hunter Biden laptop, which at the time of the election in 2020 was being described as Russian disinformation. But new things coming out today. Uh, number one, um, I want to tell you this one thing. Government officials, through the, this uh, this direct relationship that government officials have with Twitter, they paid millions of dollars. The government is funneling money to Twitter to censor what Twitter lets, to censor what the American people can hear, to enhance and enable the censorship that Twitter engaged in on behalf of the federal government. So your tax dollars, your tax dollars are going to the government so they can pay through the FBI, pay Twitter to censor your voice to censor people you want to hear about. I mean, this could not be, Orwellian is just too nice a word. This is what we used to mock about Russia when they had the KGB, when the communists were in charge, when they had Pravda. We would mock this and say they have total control of information. And thank goodness here in America, we have freedom of speech. Was well, bad enough the social media giants, generally speaking, trend left, and they only let leftist things out there, but this is now, we're now learning because of Elon Musk buying Twitter, the government's using your money to pay Twitter to shut down conversation. So you don't get to know what you want to know. You don't get to hear it. Your voice is muffled by Twitter. Secondly, there are so many people in Twitter who at the top ranks of Twitter who are former FBI agents that they actually had, you know, when you go with a new company onboard, you know, like when you start with a big company, especially, you know, they have a process you now called onboard. They used to probably say orientation, but you know, you onboard. They have special onboarding, a special onboarding process for the people coming into Twitter because there were so many of them who came from the FBI. Twitter, this happy little uh, helping communication, let's all get to know each other. Um, they had they had their own onboarding because there are so many of them and they were, you know, they are hook, line and sinker part of this process to essentially shut down free speech in America, censor speech. Um, they also had um, in this, so the millions of dollars, Twitter employees filled with the, um, you know, I mean, filled with FBI people. So they're, you know, controlling what you think. And then they also had, what has come to light is that in, through these Twitter file releases by um, authorized by Elon Musk, the FBI was actually sharing, offering top secret investigation to Twitter, top, top secret information to Twitter executives. I mean, everyone's so concerned. What did Trump, who was president and had the highest clearance of all, what did he have at Mar-a-Lago, which he's allowed to have anything he had at Mar-a-Lago, but these people were sharing top secret information with Twitter, these FBI people. And so, I, I mean, I'm gonna, um, they also, the FBI has admitted in depositions, giving targeting instructions, like actually telling the these social media giants um, what they should block, what they should remove, what they should take back. And I'm telling you all this to say, when I say in this show that we are watching the Marxists take down America, I am not engaging in hyperbole. It's not exaggeration. It's not fear mongering. It's straight out fact. 
when you have our government engaging in this and apparently unapologetically, no one's saying, wow, we better crack down. You know, the FBI is blowing off the whole story like big deal, you know, um, you know, we don't, I mean, they're just blowing it off like it doesn't even matter to them. Um, uh, I mean, I, I could run through a bunch of details of the story. I may go into this more because I'm bad at time today. But I do want to go into the story more to say, you know, when you heard like the interview we just had with Didi Lagerson and the way we have the uh, this just Marxist mindset invading America, we embrace the China model in responding to COVID. And we had uh, the normalization of things like told when you have to stay home, told when you can travel, told you have to wear a mask, told when you can, can you leave your house, told when you can open your business. And we began to accept it out of fear. And we began to accept, well, you know, the government's just trying to help. They're just trying to keep you know, us safe. And we have, a, an, sadly, way too many of Amer Americans just deeply immersed in the uh, teaching they learned in today's high schools and colleges about, you know, America and the whole idea of freedom and founding our founding fathers gave it. We have freedom and rights from God. But these are antiquated. They're, in fact, dangerous ideas. You know, the, the progressive way forward is the new world order and the World Economic Forum and the globalist agenda and the Great Reset. And this is what all the brilliant people think. And we are we are facing that mentality uh, among many in the millennial generation, but also many in the Biden, you know, in the octogenary generation of Biden. These people actually believe that losing or surrendering freedom in America is a better thing because it's better for the globalists. It's better for the collective. They'll take care of us. Don't worry. It's why you don't have enough people wound up and saying absolutely not on vaccine passports and absolutely not on online medical records and absolutely not on central bank digital currency. We have a, it's like a mass psychosis of our society, a mass hypnotizing, a mass mesmerizing of our society that says, don't worry about these things. The government's just trying to help. These are just fixes. We still have our freedom. We're still America. We're losing America right in front of our very eyes. That is exactly what's happening. These stories today, I'll go into much more about the FBI tomorrow, but I'm out of time. And I'll go into the FTX story uh, tomorrow also. Um, but I think that's about all. I, I do want to quickly mention for our, our happy listeners, um, if you have, I'll take 30 seconds to talk about uh, my pillow. If you could very quickly put up, if you have it, and Amelia, I didn't give you a warning, but there you go, my pillow. I want to um, uh, warn you and talk to you about the idea that um, that mypillow.com is a place, last time I checked, which is only just a few days ago, um, you could still order things at MyPillow and they are still guaranteeing delivery by Christmas. I think that is still true. But if it gets to the day after, lucky for you because Christmas falls on a Sunday. But MyPillow is a great great place for gifts. It's a great place to, if you haven't gotten gifts for people you should have gotten gifts for, you can still go and get bathrobes, slippers, blankets, I mean, pajamas. They have great quality items. They're great prices, great qualities. And when you go to mypillow.org, when you go there, um, the thing you can do is you pick all these great gifts and get yourself a few gifts too. At the end of your checking out, it says promo code, put in Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G. 
you put in Debbie G in the promo code, you get up to 66% off on everything you buy. I get a small payment and this helps keep this show rocking and rolling because this show is listener supported. I don't have advertisers disrupting us. I have, uh, I do my pillow and I love to have your support with my pillow. And I'm soon going to start, you can come back to me now. I am soon going to start uh, being an affiliate and part of the affiliate program with Patriot Mobile. You'll be hearing more about that soon, but Patriot Mobile, my husband and I have made the switch. We're over at Patriot Mobile. And I want to tell you that the reason to go to Patriot Mobile is because when they make donations, Unlike all the other big companies, when they make donations, they are to conservative causes. So your hard-earned money going to your phone company will not be donated to organizations you would never otherwise support. More on that, I'm planting a seed to tell you we're going to becoming a, I have become an affiliate with Patriot Mobile. Okay, but we have one more show, my friends, for uh, 2022. One more show tomorrow. It's going to be a very good show tomorrow. Don't miss it. And then I'll tell you that we're going to have a bunch of great shows we're going to play uh, while I'm gone. We're back live in studio on Thursday, January 5th. Um, and that is going to be with the incredibly wonderful Congressman Louis Gohmert. I really urge you to be sure Mark, to tune into that show on January 5th. Every show in between now, it'll be great. Uh, but this is our tomorrow. We're going to do one last live show for 2022. And now I'll tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today. Um, what Carrie Lake won and what she didn't win. Arizona judge dismissed many of Lake's claims and Lake is appealing this dismissal. Arizona judge ordered a two-day trial on chain of custody claims and whether malice involved in multiple simultaneous voting machine failures. Arizona judge rulings do not signal overwhelming judicial courage, more like begrudging action in the face of overwhelming evidence. Two-day trial reflects a hurry-up-and-get-it-over-with attitude, not a let's-listen-to-all-the-evidence attitude. Worth watching, Katie Hobbs will be called to testify as a top Arizona election official. Would she dare to plead the fifth? I don't think she can. Or I don't remember. Or I relied on others. Or what? Arizona trial, a true battle for American survival. Patriots are watching. And on Twitter, as the FBI field office... Twitter files releases show deep, irrefutable, sustained involvement of FBI in directing Twitter censorship on political issues directly bearing on the American presidential election. All censorship was in the direction of helping Joe Biden and harming Donald Trump. Staggering number of former FBI and intelligence agency personnel among top executives at Twitter, disgraced, forced out of the FBI general counsel James Baker, became general counsel of Twitter. That by itself, breathtaking. Edited, censored initial Twitter files releases until fired. And that to make clear what that's saying. So James Baker, who was humiliated, disgraced, had to leave the FBI in shame. They don't care. They hire him at Twitter. And until Elon Musk figured out as he was releasing files, James Baker is editing the releases. He's still all about censorship until finally Elon Musk fires him. Depth of defilement and damage to First Amendment freedom of speech is incalculable. All of it is by design and intended. None of it is merely careless. Restoration of American freedom is in deep and dark jeopardy. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk. 
why I always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. about America. Can you hear